Welcome back to Change Cultivators as we continue to explore the area of organizational change and change leadership. And today, Roz and I have a special treat for our listeners. We're going to dig into the Special Olympics. And if you're like me, you probably think you know the Special Olympics. You've heard of the Special Olympics, of course. But I think today we're going to go a little bit deeper into the Special Olympics. So I'm Patrick Fitzmaurice. Welcome again. Pleased to be here with my co-host, Roz. Good day, Roz. Thank you, Patrick. Good to be here with uh, Megan and Amy. So great to have you guys on the show. Thank yes, you. And, and we're going to let Megan and Amy introduce themselves, but I'm just going to set some stage here. We're going to be talking about the Special Olympics USA Games that are coming up next year in June of 2022, where I think it's over 4,000 athletes and 10,000 volunteers and you know over 125,000 spectators are going to experience this event in June of next year. And so we're going to get a chance to talk to two of the people who make that happen. I'll let you each introduce each other. Amy, how about you first? Certainly. My name is Amy Wise. I oversee development and marketing for the USA Games. I have been with the Games now for about a year and a half. I joined after a uh, long career in professional sports and collegiate sports on both the, the marketing and development side and then worked at, in the ad agency world for about five years. Sweet. Well, thank you for joining us. Megan, how about you? Yeah, I'm Megan McLean. I'm the Senior Vice President of Sports for the 2022 USA Games. And I've been uh, with the local organizing committee for about a year now um, and previously was the senior director of sports at Special Olympics Florida. So I've been in the, the Special Olympics world for about seven years now, but really excited to be a part of this local organizing committee, creating a, an incredible experience for our athletes, as you said, just about 16 months from now. I love it. And so just really quickly, what is one thing from maybe each of you that you want people to really know about the Special Olympics that maybe is a, a myth that they have or something new? So I'll start with you, Megan, since you, you went last. What is one thing you want to make sure that you are trying to, to reposition the games maybe or emphasize in the games? If there's there's one thing that I could get your listeners to know and, and anybody that tunes into anything surrounding our games, it's that our athletes truly are that. They're, they're serious athletes who train and compete to perform their best to win and, and are just like any other athlete training for a goal. I love it. What about you, Amy? So Megan took the good one. That's, I mean, <laughs> I agree that that to me is the very most important thing that we, that we are trying to change and make people understand. But I think also, and this is the marketing side of me talking is that they've got really incredible stories to tell as well. Unique experience, unique uh, perspective. Some of them, I mean, my gosh, our athletes are doing some amazing things right now. And on the marketing side, we're really looking forward to telling those stories. I'll start with the event next year, because I don't think people get their heads around what this is and what it takes to pull it off. You know, as you as you guys are looking at, at next year's games, like describe it a little bit for how might it be different? It's such a different time to pull off an event like that. So let's kind of ease into it that way of you know, what is it starting to feel like as you guys set a line of sight on June 2022, Orlando, Florida, what's going to be different about this event? Because it's such a massive undertaking. I, I'll go ahead and start. I mean, it's, you can see, and you, not everyone can see on the podcast, but behind me, there's an image of big. This is just a really, really big event. It's big in size. It's big in what we're trying to do. It's big in the people we've brought into the community. And, and it's longer than any of our other USA games. We need more help to make it happen than ever before. And then we've got a number of what we call an initiatives 
and uh, a number of legacy items so that when we hand this off to the 2026 USA Games, we're giving them something, data and resources and processes and applications that they've never had before. Cool. What about you, Megan? Yeah, I think that to, to follow up on what Amy said about this being a really big event, it's it's also that we're just trying to build on the success of past USA Games. So this is an event that takes place every four years, and it just like the Olympics, it moves from city to city. So uh, previously, it was in Seattle, and Seattle did some really great things to build upon the success in 2014 in New Jersey. So we're really just looking to take that baseline that's been set by previous local organizing committees and previous events and build on it and sort of elevate everything surrounding the events, get more eyes on the event, and make this a platform where our athletes can showcase their skills that that rivals a professional sports environment. Amy, so I know you're doing a lot around really looking at building the message and the story around the games. And, and you know, you and Megan have given us some beautiful color around the athletes. You know, I think as a comms exec myself, it really is, is telling that narrative, right? It's why should I fall in love with these games? What's interesting about it? And it's the people behind the games, right? At the end of the day is what drives it. And I can't help but think, you know, we're in such unprecedented times and such disruptive times at the moment. And I'm sure as you look forward, I mean, I'm, you know, busy looking at the, the ICC Cricket World Cup coming up at the end of the year. And one thing that we really are, are having to stretch our thinking in, and I'd love to hear, you know, Amy, how you're approaching this for the Special Olympics is you having to do the positioning and the crafting of the narrative quite differently this year going into to next year. Uh, what are you doing differently and how are you ap- approaching it? I'd love to just hear a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the things we're focused on is reach. Um, How do we get to new markets, new people? How do we touch people who haven't already been touched by Special Olympics? Because I tell you, once you've been touched by Special Olympics, it stays with you and you carry it. And you're a member of the community, but there are plenty of people, you know, who, who haven't been. So we've got some really cool, unique partnerships. One of them is with, we were just talking about it before the show, Roz, with uh, Westwood One and in Nashville and Sony Music. So they've got country music stars who have recorded a number of PSAs in support of our athletes. And those will be rolling out one, one per month until we have the USA Games. And those, those air nationwide. And uh, really excited about that partnership. We've also expanded our celebrity ambassador program. So we have been able to develop relationships with 42 celebrities, folks like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Rob Lowe, Whoopi Goldberg, people who have agreed to uh, use their voices, lend their voices to the games, their media supports on social media, and you know make appearances for us, some other things. Uh, so that's very, very exciting because we'll get to reach new people. But on the storytelling side, you know, we are also leaning into our athletes quite a bit and uh, we consider ourselves an athlete driven game. So, you know, our athletes are why we're doing what we're doing. So it was really important to us to, to start with our athletes. We've had them involved with our, the creation of our logo. We, we want to show them in the new, you know, as, as athletes, you know, the training that they go through. We also have leaned into them to be content creators as well. So we've got a number of uh, campaigns 
um, that we'll be launching where our athletes will be the creators of those campaigns. And we'll be talking about what inclusion feels for them. We'll be telling all of their unique stories. So reach and storytelling, you know, we're, we're trying to get the right combination. And we are in a unique time where, you know, mm. this this pandemic is, it's been tough. It's been hard for everybody. There's not a person who is unscathed from the pandemic and our, our community of athletes, you know, I I think especially so. And, but man, they are still been training and, and working hard to get to the USA games. And so the stories have been really, really exciting. Uh, And we're, we're just kind of taking the deep dive right now on, on, on digging all of those stories out and creating video and content around them. Yeah, and and I'm hearing also, you know, really a, a strong underlying current of that fan engagement, and and you know we're seeing that. I work with a number of sports brands, and it definitely is the shift of moving from this one way communication of okay, I'm broadcasting a sport to you, to now it's a two way, it's a two way thing. You know, it's at fan engagement, and I love the diversity of Whoopi Goldberg. You know, through to country music, as you guys know, I'm in Nashville and. Uh, my husband's in the country music business. I'm very glad to hear countries coming into the sport. But it really is, it's its its a pattern we're seeing, you know, and I think this is where the consumer of the future is, is actually I want to be involved and I want a relationship with a brand. You know, I don't want you to just talk at me. Um, well, so loving, loving the direction you're taking that in. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We've got a, a lot of community programs that I can't speak about right now because we haven't launched them, but things where, you know, the state of Florida, because that's where the games are going to be hosted and uh, the community of Orlando, ways to engage them in the games as well. And uh, we'll be rolling that out in the one year leading up to the games. Amazing. Really fascinating. And I'm going to go, I, I, I want to come back to the athletes a little bit, Megan, and I want to poke at that, mm-hmm. but I want to ask a follow-up question if I could. You, you said earlier, you know, it passes from city to city and it's such an mm-hmm. interesting leadership challenge, right? To, to ramp up a new effort, to bring it into a new city. And mm-hmm. I know you kind of mentioned you take best practices from prior cities, but you get a chance to kind of put a stamp on it and make it your own. How does that dynamic work? We talk a lot about agile work teams with people we talk to and about how you kind of quickly need to be dynamic in forming a team and driving a team. And I just suspect you guys have to do that by nature of the event. Is there any challenges or watchouts that you have as you kind of ramp up an effort to drive to one event and then spiral out of that event? Maybe I'll start with you, Amy, if you have any thoughts as a leadership challenge on that. Well, I mean, I think you you start with a lot of files and a lot of paperwork and a lot of conversations <laughs> with the games before, and then you uh, kind of try to figure out. You take all of it in, and 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 then you sit down with your team and and you figure out what you're going to do. And so, you know, you always, you never want it to be the same games. You always want it to be a build upon. And you know, when this needs to matter and it needs to be important to the the U.S. And so our focus starts with, you know, what are our pillars? What are we going to build upon? What are we going to do better? What what are we going to innovate on? What is new? Because four years is is a is a large amount of time, and things change. Technology changes. You know, we, we I think you know we talked a little bit. Megan will, can speak on this about data analytics and sports analytics, and you know all of these things that. Uh, there's such innovation in sports right now. And how do we bring those in? And one of the things that we haven't talked about is healthcare as well. We're, you know, the largest organization in the world that provides healthcare services for persons with ID. And so, 
you know, on the healthcare side, you know, what can we do better? So we, we set, we see what's been done before and then we kind of put it to the side and then we talk about what we're going to do and, and how we're going to go bigger. When, when did you start? Like when did, when did the, this organizing team take over and how did you build a team? Like, how do you quickly get the right people on the team and how do you structure that? And then how do you put a plan together? Because it's, it's a, just such a dynamic handoff that happens. So like, when did you guys ramp up? When, what were the first things that you did? I think all of those are interesting learnings for our listeners who kind of what, who sit there sometimes and say, crap, I need to build a team to go tackle this issue. And you guys have a model that's by its nature doing that. Yeah, and Megan is actually here from the beginning. So Florida, mm-hmm. who is the state program here, they put a bid in to win the games. And so that's how it started was right. winning the games <laughs> and then mm-hmm. and then working to find who the right person was to to lead the games. And so for for us, you know, I I think, you know, we lucked out we had a, a member of the Florida board who stepped up and and agreed to to be that person for us. And so once he took over, it was about, you know, him getting his core people and having some of the core people right away. And Megan from the beginning Beginning was somebody that that they wanted on the team for the games. Megan, do you want to do you want to talk yeah. a little bit about what that was like? Yeah, yeah. So it actually goes back to I think about 2017 when the CEO of Special Olympics Florida kind of sat down with Joe, our CEO, who was then a board member at Special Olympics Florida, and we kind of talked about the possibility of putting in a bid. And Florida has a really really strong program within the Special Olympics world, but but we, it was important to us to make sure that we were in the right position to host an event for athletes from all over the country because Florida was experiencing incredible growth at the time, just really, really fast growth and and was managing that. So once we decided that we wanted to share what Florida had to offer with athletes from all over the country, we formulated that bid. So that was all happening while I was still working for Special Olympics Florida. And then the bid committee came to Orlando and we sort of showed them what we had to offer and some of the venues we were planning on using. And then in early 2018, they awarded us the bid. And then for the first year or so, it was pretty much our CEO and a couple other people, an intern who's now on staff, kind of getting things off the ground in a really early startup phase. So at that point, everybody's doing multiple things, multiple jobs um, to get this thing off the ground. And then 2019, the team started to build. And then I officially transitioned over at the beginning of 2020. So it's it's been... Very quick, but also when I think back to 2017, yeah, right. the beginning of it all, it feels like a long time ago. But it's just just something we're so proud of being able to offer because a lot of the experiences that these athletes will have next year, the Florida athletes have on a smaller scale a couple times a year using Disney facilities. So it's just really exciting to, to be able to share that with so many more athletes from all over. Yeah. And let's let's dig into the athletes, Megan, if we could. You know, so much has changed in athletics. We've had several conversations with people who are touching on the the the, the sports world. Uh, we've gone to Formula One. We've talked to a guest. Mm-hmm. We had Vince Thompson, who runs uh, one of the biggest sports marketing agencies on, on the podcast. And I know there's so much happening in terms of data and data analytics and the ability to apply digital transformation to the to, mm-hmm. to sport and how you bring sport to life. And so talk a little bit about what you guys are doing to really Put the athletes at the center, because I love how you're saying that, but use technology to really help the games. Yeah, yeah. So this goes back to what I talked about originally with trying to elevate the perception of, of what Special Olympics is in a sports context with people who may not know what we do. 
and, and kind of increasing that credibility of our athletes as true athletes and the Special Olympics as a true sport organization. And part of that for us is having a, a look and feel and providing the same resources that a college athlete would receive, a professional athlete would receive. So what we're doing to help elevate that through one of our partners is creating a uh, sports analytics system for our team sports that we'll offer. So we'll actually, for the first time ever, be able to collect real-time stats and provide those to coaches in games. So that can inform their coaching decisions, their player rotations. Athletes can understand shooting percentages and assist to turnover ratios and things like that that can help them get better real time. Because in the past, it's sort of been this buildup of training and then they get to the event and it's go do your best. But this gives them the information and the ability to make shifts while they're here to improve their performance and, and lead them to those, those gold medal games. So cool. And Megan, when mm -hmm. you say that you, for the first time, I take it this Olympics coming up is the first time that data will be used, right? Yeah. They, so they've done it for one sport at World Games before through one of the sport federations, but, but we're actually building something unique to Special Olympics to go across all of our sports. Every sport sort of has their uh, third-party system that can track stats, but it's not transferable across sports. So we're yeah, building yeah, yeah. something that that can work for all of our sports and can be passed on not only to the next games, but to local state programs and other special mix organizations across the globe. Yeah, it's amazing. I worked with, the, Patrick mentioned Formula One, I worked with the Formula One team for a number of years with a company called Tata Communications and just bringing the data analytics to the cars. So the heat of the tires, the speed of the, you know, the, the steering wheel and all that, because, you know, in like, Formula One, it's 0 0.001 millisecond that can make you win or lose a race. And, yeah. you know, if you just look at the transition that technology has brought to that sport over the last five years, it's amazing, you know, just in terms of performance mm -hmm. of, you know, the, the, the cars, the, the drivers, and then also the corporate sponsorships, like it's really, you know, changed the, the game there. So I love what you guys are doing with the athletes. How are you looking at technology with the fan engagement? Have you got anything, you know, new coming up for, for 2020 with, with, you know, that community uh, point of mm -hmm. view we discussed with, with Amy earlier? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really important for us to that point of fan engagement to have fans really feel involved and kind of invested in what we're doing. And, and for me, that goes back to the point where in the past for the community of people with disabilities, programs like ours and like others that are helping this community, it's kind of been preparing those individuals to go out into quote the real world. When the truth is they're part of the real world is Special Olympics. It's all the same. There's there, there's an there's this invisible line that people have kind of drawn between the two. And and by bringing eyes to this event and and getting people engaged, we're starting to blur that line. And and hopefully eventually that line will go away. So it's not let's get our athletes ready to go out into some imaginary real world, but it's bringing people in to what we're doing and, and making that line disappear so that people yeah. can realize that, that we're all one, one society. And, and we are doing a lot of things and utilizing technology to do that. And one of those things is building a state of the art app. Okay. So a games app that will allow fans to interact, to engage, to get information real time. And that's something that apps have been created for games before, but this is going to be a really high-tech, sophisticated app to allow fans that that access to the stories, access to information about the games, real-time results, real-time schedules, so that they're a part of, of what's happening. So they're yeah, crossing yeah. that line and coming into what we're doing. 
And I think it's that building that relationship, right? It's that fan engagement. And, and a big part of building a relationship is enjoying the company and, and the, you know, who you're interacting with. And that just, you know, takes me to the, the conversation of purpose-led brands. And I think the Special Olympics is just so amazing. I mean, you couldn't get a better example of, of a brand that's really driven by a clear purpose and a clear why. I'd love, I'd love you to just talk about, you know, what you're doing with regards to, you know, that purpose-led positioning to drive engagement with, with potentially businesses and sponsorships. Because as Patrick mentioned, Vince, you know, was on the show and you can, you can hear a number of our conversations with some really interesting guests on just how consumers nowadays, you know, if the brand isn't centered in a strong why and a clear purpose, they don't want to engage with them anymore. So, you know, what are, what are you guys seeing and, and doing in, in that area, particularly on your, your corporate relationships with regards to, to why the Special Olympics is here? I am so impressed by companies right now that have made inclusion as a pillar, have decided that this is important to them, that have made that have become dedicated to improving their hiring practices, um, have become dedicated to allowing their employees to volunteer and and to be a part of things like the Special Olympics, and and really spend a lot of money. But helping to raise money, helping their employees to raise money, themselves participating in, in, in our organization. So on the development side, man, we've had, we've just got the best partners. I'm, I'm so, so very impressed, you know, coming from the sports world and now, you know, talking to uh, folks like, you know, Coca-Cola and Bank of America and Jersey Mike's, who is our presenting partner. And I got to tell you, these people just care and it is so refreshing and it's it's not always about the ROI it's about you know how can we engage with you guys at a deeper level how can we get our employees engaged with you at a bigger level how can we help amplify your message so you know i in my eyes again coming from sports you know the the dialogue has changed quite a bit and it's just been very, very refreshing. And I'll tell you, those are the, those are the calls that I have with prospects also, you know, and, and I think companies are becoming, you know, great in, 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 in the way that they're re-looking at themselves and what's important to them and really listening to what's important to their employees as well. And, and some of what's important to their employees is, is being a part of organizations like the Special Olympics. So we've just really benefited from that recently. And I'm seeing even more of it during the pandemic. You know, people are looking for good things to care about mm. and good things to get their employees involved in. And we're we're just a really good thing. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And, you know, but, but I'll poke at it a little bit because you know, we've touched on it a lot of times in some of our podcast discussions, and I certainly see it on our consulting side, you know, this accelerated ramp of corporate social responsibility efforts, right? And then you have all of these competing things that are coming to them. And it's really interesting to talk about how a brand finds something that's authentically theirs. And so we, we've touched on that in a bunch of conversations on this, this role of authenticity. And Roz just kind of mentioned it, you know, how you find a common passion. As you build these relationships, people who may have been new to kind of being part of the Special Olympics, how do you help them kind of build that authenticity to the brand? Because you said it's not necessarily about ROI. We're not measuring it the standard way. There is some kind of intrinsic value to being associated that has to be somewhat authentic. So any any perspectives you've gotten from anybody maybe who's new to the tape party with you? They say, you know, this is how you're really resonating with that need. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll start with saying that 
while there are a lot of people that aren't familiar with Special Olympics, Special Olympics affects, you know, or touches one in four persons. So, you know, if there's somebody on the leadership team who is unfamiliar with Special Olympics, there's always somebody who is very familiar with Special Olympics and has a, has a cousin or a son or a daughter who, who has competed in Special Olympics before, or they themselves have volunteered. So I think the authenticity part of it it all often comes from, you know, the motivation of, you know, the employees around them and figuring out what they care about. And I'm not entirely sure that's what you're kind of getting at, Patrick, but I mean, it's a, it's a big part of what makes people decide that this is important to them. And, and, and again, it goes back to kind of listening to their people, deciding where their priorities are, and then engaging with the, uh, the community, the, the charity groups, you know, that match those desires. And, and, and again, because we touch so many people, you know, we've been lucky enough to benefit from that. When, we, when you look at a change, you know, as, as you know, our, our audience is, is all about how you shift your, your mind with change. And you talk so much about the, the athletes and making the sport about the athletes, which is amazing. And I want to go back to the technology part for one minute. And that is obviously bringing, Megan, you touched on the technology piece, bringing analytics and tech into the the sport with the players. How are you find they responding to that? Because you're always going to have people that go, and, and I, you know, the human spirit is a wonderful thing. And I think when you're a professional sportsman, is it a naturally inherent position for the players to go, okay, this is new, this is data, this is a new way of doing stuff, I want it? Or do you ever have players that go, hang on, I'm a little bit frightened of that? I'm just touching on the sort of nature of, you know, as our sure. world changes and the sport changes and the engagement changes, how are you finding the inside responding to that? Yeah, there's definitely sort of that full spectrum of, of response that we'll expect. We've, we've had some focus groups for this application and, and those athletes and their families and coaches that we've talked to are really, really excited about uh, those enhancements. But Special Olympics is a, an organization that at the local level, starting as early as two individuals can become engaged in our program and there's no maximum age. So we have a, a young athletes starting at age two, competitive athletes starting at age eight, going all the way up through 80s, 90s. Wow, so there's amazing. sort of just that natural response to technology that comes from having that big of a, an age group that we're working with. At the games themselves, it'll be uh, 12 and up. So we anticipate that there's some athletes that are just going to, to love this and respond really quickly. And there's other athletes who may be a little bit hesitant at first. There's going to be some education that has to take place. But that's something that we're focused on doing through the, the coaches, really using the coaches as our connection to the athletes and then explaining to them how we're going to use these analytics, when they'll receive them, where they'll be posted. And, and for some coaches, it might be how to read a box score because they're going to mm -hmm. get this box score in between quarters and it might be the first time they've ever seen it. So it's, it's, there's a big education piece for everyone. And then there's, there's different levels of reaction for, for how excited people are about this. But we just know that it's a change that's necessary to elevate how Special Olympics operates in a sports perspective and how it's received by outsiders and spectators as well. So I want to dig into this experience, right? So here's what's swimming around in my head. You guys are going to throw this ridiculously big party, <laughs> right? <laughs> it, 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 it's going to go on for a bunch of days. We've got an athlete experience that you're trying to kind of shape. We've got uh, a fan there, a local fan who's coming out to shape. We've got 
people who aren't going to attend there, but can be engaged in the game in other ways through media. You've got all of your sponsors and stuff. So you're, you're going to kick butt with a really ridiculously big party. But you're doing it at a time when technology is letting you leapfrog. You're coming out of COVID, which you, you may be the first big party, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, mm-hmm. of, of this scale that'll happen. Let's talk a little bit about the experience. What do you what what should somebody really expect? Any one of those audiences, what should they expect that people are gonna go, wow, like this is a different yeah. thing and I love it? Yeah, well, we say all the time, and it sounds a little bit like what anybody's goal would be when doing something like this, but we really want it to be a, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. But to put that in perspective. For some of our athletes, it'll be the first time some of these athletes have, have ever been on an airplane, have ever left their home state. When we went to Seattle for the 2018 games and I was special with Special Explorer, there were athletes who had never been outside their county in Florida. And they were getting on a plane, flying to Seattle, away from their family for 10 days, sometimes a little bit more. So it's, it's really just a once-in-a-lifetime experience where these athletes are the center, they're the rock stars, their abilities are celebrated, their skills are showcased. But surrounding that is also the family experience. And that's something I love to talk about because a lot of these families, and I know personally some some families of athletes who were told when their their athlete was a child, the athlete would ne- may never walk or may never be able to X, Y, Z. All the limitations. And now they see their athletes standing on podiums in front of, you know, 10,000 people and, and, and really just this stage that they could have never imagined. So it's, we're really trying to touch all of those people and, and create that once in a lifetime experience. And, and we have an incredible special events team. So I'm really focused on sport and try to keep that as the, the core and center of what we're doing. But we have a rockstar special events team that is planning some incredible experience that experiences that would be once in a lifetime for anyone, let alone our athletes who have never left their state. So which is why we're so focused on making this the biggest games ever. We say it all the time and we don't want it to be the biggest games ever. Just so in August of 2022, we can all stand around and say, look what we did. We did the biggest thing ever, but it's because if we could share this with 20,000 athletes, we would. So we just want to share it with as many athletes as we possibly can, because we believe so much in the the power of this experience that we're trying to create. And, and I, I think a lot of that, a lot of that comes from being in Orlando as well. So we've got these incredible venues here. You know, our athletes when they when they land in Florida, you know, transportation, their customer journey. We've got a whole group that's worrying about their customer journey, about the t- amount of time that they have to wait for buses. You know, how they feel the entire time that they're here, and then they get to go to Disney and stay at a Disney resort, and they're on property. And we've got it's an athlete village, and that's where our you know our athletes are going to be staying throughout the games and we've got entertainment there and you know uh, huge tents and it's and it's a party and it'll just be a great time for them there but then they also get a play at ESPN Wide World of Sports you know we're utilizing state-of-the-art venues uh, Exploria Stadium downtown is where we'll have opening ceremonies our our television partner during the broadcast partner during the games is ESPN we're over at USTA for tennis I mean just these incredible facilities that we've got in Orlando we get to showcase as well. It's just awesome. Stunning. So, so amazing. I, I definitely have to be there. Let's, let's hope there's, there's some, some tickets lying around. It sounds very exciting. Yes, well, we know some people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think as, as, as we sort of start to wrap up, I'd love you just to give our uh, listeners a, a bit of a heads up on, on, on the games and what they should look out for, where they can find information and how they can really keep up to date with this amazing planning that's going on and just really making sure that they they don't miss out on June next year. 
Where should we be pointing them to? I would love for everyone to go to our website. So it's 2022usagames.org. I'd love for them to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And and that's probably one of the best ways to kind of see what's happening and hear some of our stories too. And there are ways for people to engage with us. We'd love for them to, you know, comment and, you know, and, and tell us what you want to see. Tell us the stories that you want to hear, you know, share your stories with us. We, we always, I've got people who volunteered for, you know, 20 years with Special Olympics and they've got some incredible stories to tell. So we'd love to hear from the community as well. That's amazing. Love well, it. listeners, love it. make sure you get onto those channels and don't miss this exciting, exciting event coming up next year. Thank you both so much for joining us. There's so much richness here. We could talk for a lot longer. I almost want to like it. So, and maybe this is Megan. So who's like the the athlete to watch? Like what's it like? <laughs> like it's almost like, you know, leading up to any big event. It's like, yeah. oh, that's like, that's the person we've got to, like, that's the one. Is there an athlete to watch that you'd share? And I'm going to add to that. And the sport, which is the sport? And and they don't have to be the same. Yeah, yeah. So so what's really cool about this event is we're offering the most sports ever. And some of those sports are really unique. So we have 20 sports that we're offering. One that's really cool. It'll be small just because of of where the sport is within its growth and special Olympics right now. But we're offering surfing for the first time ever. So our athletes will be having a surf contest in in a wave pool on Disney property. And, uh, you know, we, we have stand-up paddle. We have a lot of the Florida-friendly sports stand-up paddle and surfing. As far as a- athletes to watch, a lot of the states are going through their selection process right, right. now. So so Amy's team is going to gather some, in, in the next few months, gather some really incredible stories that we don't even know about yet. And it's really, really challenging for me of the athletes I know to, mm-hmm. to you know, talk about just one. But we have an athlete here in Florida. Um, his name is Chris Nickich. And anybody that follow sports may have heard about his story just recently he became the first person with down syndrome to complete a full ironman triathlon wow um, so he special big florida started a triathlon program uh, in 2017 and he became a that part of that pilot program and, and just sort of kept extending his goal beyond a sprint distance to a, a little bit bigger and through his training for that full ironman he had a half ironman scheduled and it was canceled mm-hmm. because of covid so the local tri community here in Florida rallied around him and, and put on a race for him and they ran with him and swam with him. And, and he is just absolutely incredible. He's currently training right now, not only for our event with the USA games, but also for the Ironman in Kona. So the world championships for Ironman. And he has really broken down some barriers for what even some of our athletes think they can do. A lot of times it's trying to break down barriers of what other people think our athletes can do. But what I've seen through his story is athletes are kind of looking at themselves and and now there are no limits limits that they thought existed for them are no longer there so cool I love and it. I'm, fo- I'm following him on instagram so i knew it was kind of an unfair question because i knew the process is going on so i think the best thing i will do and i encourage all of our listeners to do is follow all those social channels that amy mentioned because i am sure there's going to be lots of stories about athletes to watch and build coming up so i think everybody should do that i want to thank you guys again we always try to find nuggets in these conversations for our listeners and one of the key ones to me spread throughout this conversation is how does a unifying vision and a really good purpose and principles rally an organization? And, you know, as a, as a team, as an organization, it just sounds so strong that you guys have this anchoring vision of what you're trying to accomplish, which is so purpose-driven that it just creates some energy around the whole thing. So thank you for spending a couple of minutes. I know you guys are ridiculously busy planning a a party in a year or so, Um, (laughs) but thanks for sharing some with our listeners. And we are looking forward to following the action going on. 
Thanks for having us. Thank Thank you, ladies. Such a great chat. So nice to have you. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.